0: Let's grab our Bibles. Let's go to Daniel chapter uh, one and chapter two today. And uh, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to have his way. Would you do that with me? Father, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing this morning. Thank you for allowing us to worship. Thank you for all the folks that's come out to this 10 o'clock service. We pray over it as we pray, God, you continue to bless the rest of the day. Your spirit's already been moving. We pray to move now. And we pray to move again at 1130. And we pray, Father God, for us to have ears to hear today. And hearts to receive what you want to say, that we'll receive it. That God, when we look into the word, our eyes will be open to your truth. That our minds will comprehend it. And God, today we're asking you for faith to put it into play, to put it into action in our lives. So God, please take these next couple of moments and speak to us and call us to the action that you choose. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Come on, give him one more more praise, and then we're going to get in this word. So uh, sometimes I just believe Charlie Brown gets us well. I I don't know about you, but I like Charlie Brown theology. And I think Charlie Brown probably sometimes has a pretty good cue at where we are in life. In fact, I want to ask you in-house and online, how many of you have ever prayed this prayer that Charlie Brown is praying here? Hello, God. We need your help down here. The world has gone crazy. Please hear our prayers. Thank you. We trust you. Amen. Anybody say, I'll pray that once or twice. (laughs) I believe Charlie Brown gets us well. Here's what I want to talk to you about today. What if God has already answered Charlie Brown's prayer? And what if God's already answered your prayer? And, And what if, what if the answer to the prayer that God has already answered is you? What if God has already answered the prayer that we are asking him to send help down into this crazy world? And what if God is sitting on his throne in heaven looking at us and hearing our prayers and saying, I got you, I've answered it, it's you. I want to remind everyone in this room and online today the words of the Apostle Peter. He was a follower of Jesus in the New Testament. He wrote this book called 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, here's what Peter writes. He says, but you are a chosen generation. Now, he's specifically speaking to those of us who have been brought from death to life. For those of us who have known we were dead to sin, we have asked Christ to forgive us and give us eternal life. We've received his eternal salvation. So we've been born again of the spirit. We've been brought from death unto life. And here's what Peter says to those of us who have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. He says, you are are a chosen generation in fact a chosen people I want you to look at two people right now in line in the house and online I want you to put it in the comments I want you to look at two people right now and tell them i 'm chosen i 'm chosen i 'm chosen by god i 'm chosen by the king of kings and the Lord of Lords amen come on somebody i 'm chosen and then watch this then he says this then he says this and we are a royal priesthood now look at those same two people and right there on the comment sections as well look at those same two people and say and by the way come on by the way today you sit beside royalty yeah that's what i'm talking about how cool is it to come to cpc you sit by royalty when you come into this place come on yeah, you're royalty, you are heaven's royalty. In fact, he goes on, Peter goes on to say this, you are a chosen people, you are a royal, uh, a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are his special possession. And I need this to sink into you. I need you to grab a hold of this incredible truth. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted Christ as your savior, if you've committed your life to him, you are chosen by God. You are royal. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. You are a holy nation, not because of your goodness, but because of his goodness. You've been made holy and you are his special possession. And then I want you to hear how the verse continues on. You ready? Listen to this, and then I'm going to have you to repeat it. So you better listen good. Look at your neighbor and say, listen up. All right, here we go. You ready? So that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, in that very line, you're going to repeat it in just a moment. In that line, you're hearing Peter, tell us exactly why, after you were saved, God did not take you straight to heaven. You are hearing Peter say, this is why you're still here. You are chosen. You are royalty. You have been made holy. You are his possession. You don't own your life anymore. If you're a Christian, he owns you. You are his servant and, and here's the deal, here's the deal. Because you've got a purpose. You've got a purpose. Somebody just shout the word purpose. You've got a purpose. And here is your purpose. It is your purpose in life from this day forward. If you remember the line, say it with me. To proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you're grateful to God that he has chosen you and you're a royalty and you're holy and he has called you and gave you a purpose and a plan, praise him and shout amen. That's you. That's who you are if you're in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you this, according to first Corinthians chapter 12, According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, the apostle, another writer of the New Testament, another follower of Jesus, the apostle Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 12 and 11, and the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit of God has given each one of you who are followers of Jesus, watch this, watch this, he has given each one of you a gift, a special anointing, a special ability in order to make him known to the world. There's a reason for your gift. Your gift is not your enjoyment, it is for your employment. It's for you to make an impact for the kingdom. Now watch this, watch this. He says, and the spirit, watch this, watch this. The spirit distributes to each person as he chooses. Not every Christian receives the same spiritual gift when you become a Christian, when the Holy Spirit of God comes into you and you're born again, baptized by the Spirit into the family of God. Not every Christian gets the same gift. That's contrary to the scriptures. The scripture tells us the Holy Spirit gives each person the gift he wants you to receive. And here's what not only holy, you're not only his own possession, but you are here for a purpose to make him known to the world and, has been, and, and to be able to make him known. Watch this, watch this. God will gift you with the abilities you need in the moment you need them. Some of you may not even be aware of what your gift set is yet. Listen, when God called me to preach as an 18-year-old teenage man in Kentucky, boy in Kentucky, let me tell you, I was so introverted, I could not even order my own food at McDonald's. Lisa ordered my food at McDonald's. Lisa asked me out on the first date. Lisa taught me how to drive. When God called me, he gave me a helpmate. Lisa is her name. She's a good woman, y'all. And next week, we'll be married 33 years. 33 years she's been helping this old boy. Man. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have to have shades on because of all the jewels in her crown. I'm going to be over here with a crown of thorns, and she's over here just, you know. Somebody just got that. That's good. All right, here we go. You may not know what your gift set is but you will when the moment comes right. If you trust God. So let's get down to where, this, where the rubber meets the road. Let's really get into this. How much do you trust the sovereignty of God in your life? Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that God still knows what's going on? Do you believe he made a mistake when he created you, when he saved you? If you're not a Christian yet, do you believe God made a mistake when he brought you here this morning to hear this message? No, not at all. God knows exactly what he's doing. And I want to promise you this, God's not up in heaven today looking at our culture and looking at our world and going, whew, I didn't see it coming. He's, he's just sovereign enough. He's just holy enough to know exactly what's going on. We're in a series of messages entitled Escaping Babylon. And what we're doing is, is we're going back 600 years before the birth of Christ, and we're seeing how that in around 605 B.C., this empire called Babylon came in and conquered the land of Israel. In that time period, they took back some of the Jewish young men as slaves back to Babylon. Here was their go. Their go was completely de-Jewish them. They wanted to take them away from their faith, their traditions, their rituals, their belief system, their social norms, and immerse them into Babylonian culture. For three years, they had to study the Babylonian religion, Babylonian history, Babylonian educational system. They had to learn how to speak Chaldean. They, they, for three years, listen. They had to completely be immersed in a Babylonian culture. The reason we're studying this book in your Bible, called the Book of Daniel is because four of those young men who were taken in around 605 BC back to, um, back to Babylon, and then uh, I mentioned 586 last week, and 586 when Nebuchadnezzar goes in and actually destroys the city of Jerusalem. But around 605 is when he took these boys. He took four young men that we know by name, Daniel, shout Daniel, Daniel. Hananiah, Daniel. Mishael, and Azariah. And the reason we're studying these four young men in a book called Daniel that's in your Bible is because these four young men were indoctrinated into a godless culture. Yet they came out with their faith intact and they became the influencers on the culture instead of the influencee. And I just believe that God is sovereign enough that he knew what he was doing with Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and I just believe he's sovereign enough to know what he's doing with us. And I just believe God's sovereign enough to know that he's not shaken and that you were born and you are alive in this time period for such a time as this. And I just believe that God knows exactly what he's doing when he called you and he saved you and he gifted you for this moment to do something radical for his namesake, to be a witness and an influencer. And I just truly believe that if you and I would learn the characteristics of Daniel, learn from these four young men. We and we practice it, we might just get through our culture unscathed and being an influencer instead of an influencee as well. In, in fact, in fact, here's what I need everyone to understand: Daniel and his friends saw themselves as ambassadors in a godless culture. They couldn't control their situation, they couldn't control their culture, but they could control their heart. And the one thing Babylon couldn't do, they could teach them a new language, they could teach them new social norms, they could teach them a new, a new way of living, they could teach them all of the cultural aspects. But the one thing Babylon could not do and this world can't do to you either is it can never change your heart. Your heart's influenced by what you choose to let influence your heart. And these young men did not allow the world to influence them. Instead, they stayed true to their faith and they lived out by godly character. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look with me on your message notes at Daniel chapter one and uh, go down to verse 17 and look with me at the gifts that God gave Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah for such a time as they were placed. Look at this. Read with me verse 17. And God gave these four young men, read them with me, knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. And Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. you see that? And here's the deal. Do you think Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah knew why they were gifted the way they were? Do you think those four young men said, hey, you know, when we get taken off to Babylon, we're going to be the smartest dudes in school. We're going to be, we're going going to all be valedictorians. Do you you think Daniel said, I believe I know what God's going to do with me when we get over there to old Nebuchadnezzar. I believe I'm going to interpret dreams. No, they didn't have a clue why God had gifted them. And here's where you've got to understand the sovereignty of God. Did God know what he was doing? Yes, God knew exactly. Now, here are these young men. They did not sit in the corner room waiting for the rapture, waiting to get out of the big bad Babylon, nor were they over here angry and protesting and slandering. These were young men who decided, I can't change my situation, but I cannot let my situation change me. And they chose to have godly character and a godless culture and honor God, and they stood with character. And I believe this is what we are to learn in this time period that you and I are living in. In fact, number one, here's what I want you to write down. Even the gifts that God has given you is for a purpose. Here's what I want you to write down. Listen, watch this. The gifts that God has given you, your God-given gifts are all a part of God's sovereign plan. There is no accidents, you're not a mistake, and even your gift set is all a part of some plan that God has And he understands, here's what he did to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. He, while they're in a, 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 a pagan school, he amplified their ability to learn. He gave them a supernatural gift to be able to learn and to understand wisdom and literature. He allowed them to ace the class. And they didn't understand what's going on, but God did. And I want to say this to all of us here in this room and watching online, you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, we need to start seeing ourselves as ambassadors for Christ in the culture we live in today. And we need to trust that God is just sovereign enough to know that he will give us the gifts and abilities we need at the moment we need them to be an influencer for him instead of the influencees. And that's what's happening here. When you open your Bible to Daniel chapter one, we see that and then we go to Daniel chapter two and here's what we find. God knew exactly what he was up to. God wants everyone to know he's real. He wants to reveal himself and God to use a plethora of ways to make sure that happens. In this case, he's gonna use a nightmare. So here's old pagan King Nebuchadnezzar, right? King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream one night. How many of you have ever had a dream that kept, kept you up all night long? Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and in this dream, he sees this huge statue. His head is made of gold. His chest is made of silver. His belly and thighs are bronze. His legs and arms are iron. His feet is iron and clay. And he's so terrified by this. Here's what he does. And you can read this in the first nine verses of Daniel 2. He calls all the fortune tellers the magicians, the mediums, the astrologers, all the fortune tellers in the land of Babylon, he brings them up in front of him and here's what he does. Man, this dude was sly. He says, y'all tell me what I dreamed about last night and then give me the interpretation. Oh, and by the way, if you don't, my soldiers are gonna come and take your wife and take your kids, and we're gonna tear them apart limb from limb and burn your house down. You're gonna die. All right, who's up? And one of the caldeans hollered out and said, hey king, if you'll tell us what you dreamed, we'll tell you the interpretation. He goes, I got you. you slide sly like a fox. You're trying to buy yourself some time. He says, it's not gonna work that way. You're gonna tell me my dream Then you're going to tell me the interpretation. And look at verse 10 and 11. Here's how the Chaldeans responded. Read it with me out loud. Everybody go. No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, median, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the God's whose dwelling is not with mortals. Here's what I want to say. This is probably the smartest, most intellectual comment uh, an astrologer or a fortune teller has ever told anyone. This is the best thing you can say. We can't tell you this dream. We don't know the future. God does. And so the king, how does he respond? The king just goes berserk. Berserk and he wants to cancel all of the astrologers and the wise men. You gotta catch on to this. this. Something's gonna have to happen because if he, now he sets up an order to have all the wise men in the land of Babylon executed. Something's gonna have to happen here because in 600 years, catch this little side note, in 600 years, we're gonna have to have some wise men with some gold, frankincense, and myrrh to get to, get to Bethlehem and find the baby Jesus. And God knows the future all the way back then. So here's what happens. Ariok is the captain of the guard and he's the one given the orders by the king, go out and execute every astrologer, wise man, median, fortune teller. And by the way, Daniel and his friends were trained in that row as wise men. And when Ariok comes to Daniel to execute him, sword in hand. I want you to notice how Daniel responds to Ariok. Look with me on your message notes there. Daniel chapter two, verse 14. Then Daniel responded with, say the next three words, tact and discretion. Let's say those three words again. Come on, tact and discretion. I want you to catch this. Even in the face of death, Even in the face of his executioner, Daniel responded with respect. He upheld godly character. And Daniel said, hey, Ariel. Hey, bro. Good to see you, man. How's the wife? Hey, put the sword down for a minute. Let's talk, bro. If you're about to kill me, a couple extra minutes ain't gonna hurt nothing. Let's talk. Tell me. What's the king so mad about, bro? And Arioch says he had a dream and no one can give him the interpretation of the dream. And because they can't tell him what the dream is, he says, everybody who's a wise man in the, in the country, got I got to kill them. I got to execute them all. Hey, bro, you don't want to do that? No, I don't want to do it, but it's, it's, there, it's your head or mine. And Daniel used respect to a man sent to kill him. And he said, Go back to the king and say, give Daniel just a little while and see if the God of heaven won't give him an answer. And I want you to see here what happens next. Daniel, because of character, write this down, number two in your message notes. Here's what he's teaching us, is that character, godly character opens the door, uh, opportunity for influence, Godly character. And here's what, here's what God's going to do with Daniel. Because he treats Ariok with respect, Arioch goes back to the king and says, hey, give Daniel just a little bit of time. And Daniel, because he is a man of God and because he responded properly, he received an opportunity for influence in this moment. So he's given a little bit of time. I need everyone in the room and everyone watching online to lean in close for a moment. Come on, lean in close, lean in close, lean in close, lean in close, I got something to tell you. Sometimes what you're going through isn't about you at all. Sometimes what you're going through is about God positioning you to influence someone else to get to know God. It's not about you, it's about positioning you for influence. Daniel hadn't done anything wrong. Hananiah, Mishael, Nazariah hadn't done anything wrong. They probably weren't even able to answer the king that day. But now they're gonna die for it. And what Daniel had to understand is, is if he's an ambassador of God, God is gonna use this moment to help him influence the situation. And Daniel says, I need to act out with character right now. And so here's what he does, watch what he does next. The very next thing Daniel does is, is Daniel doesn't take the burden by himself. He realizes that God has a plan for him and he can't finish it all by himself. Look with me down at verse 17, 18. Then Daniel went to his house and he told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. And he urged them to ask the God of heaven for mercy concerning the mystery. What does Daniel do? Here's godly character. What does Daniel do? Daniel says there's a problem and maybe for such a time as this, God has placed me here. But the problem is bigger than me. I need some brothers and sisters to gather around me. We need to go have a small group in my house, and we need to have a prayer meeting, and we need to ask the God of heaven how to get through this. And listen, there's so much wisdom here, ladies and gentlemen, to understand that God has a plan and a purpose for you and that you can't carry out your plan and purpose by yourself. We need one another. This is why we need the church. This is why we need to be in a small group. We need to surround ourselves with brothers and sisters we can call on and say I need somebody to pray with me there's character there's godliness happening here and watch what happens in verse 19 so he has a prayer meeting in his house they pray all day long get into the night Daniel passes out watch what happens the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision in the night read with me the next line and Daniel praised the God of heaven what did Daniel do when God gave him his answer He began to praise God. How many of you run to God every time somebody hurts your feelings? Come on, somebody. You don't have to raise your hand. We all know you do it. I do it too. Come on. Now, what about when somebody praises you? I want you to capture this. If God's big enough to take your hurt feelings, he's also big enough to take your praises. And I don't know about you. Here's what Chris does. Chris Vault gets the Lord in prayer and I'm praying. I'm like, God, I need an answer. God, I need an answer. God, I need an answer. The Holy Spirit speaks. I get my answer and, and I'm guilty. I do this. I'm like, oh, well, amen. And I get up and I'm ready to go do it because I'm driven that way. Here's what Daniel does. Daniel's like, God, we need an answer. God, we need an answer. God, we need an answer. He goes to sleep. God gives him a dream. He shows him this vision, gives him the dream. Boom, he wakes up. And instead of running to Nebuchadnezzar, Man, if we could learn this, this is character. Daniel says, oh, before I gotta go, I gotta do something even more important. Thank you, Lord. God, I don't have this wisdom in myself. It come from you. God, I don't know how to make this happen. It came from you. God, I don't know how to fix this issue. It come from you. And he stopped and gave God praise. Then he went to the king. And look at verse 27. Verse 27, Daniel answered the king. I love this, I love this. No wise man, median, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery he is asked about. What is Daniel doing? Daniel comes and stands before the king, and here's what Daniel does not do. Daniel doesn't say, bro, I got your answer, man. Bro, I got the answer for you. You know, here's character. Daniel realizes God has a plan, but he can't do it alone. He needs his brothers and sisters with him. He can't figure it out. He's got to ask wisdom from God. God gives the answer. He gives God praise because God's the one that gave it to him. And then when he stood before the king, Daniel took no credit. He says, oh, king, there ain't no man, there's no magician, there's no median, there's no fortune teller in this world who can do what you've asked. Look at verse 28. Read with me out loud because, man, when you've got a butt in the Bible, you've got to say it out loud. It's just so fun to do. It's so good. Here we go. You Ready? But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in these last days. I want you to see godly character here because godly character, please hear me, will open opportunity for you to influence. I don't believe there's a mistake for you. I believe God has called you for such a time as this. I believe you're gifted and you're called and you're chosen by the Lord right here and right now to make an influence. But you're gonna have to see yourself, my friend, as an ambassador for King Jesus. You gotta remember even when you don't understand what's going on, that God is sovereign enough to know how to fix the mess and he knows what's happening and maybe it's really not so much about you after all, maybe it's really more about God positioning you to make an impact on someone else that needs to come out of darkness and into light. I just want you to understand that godly character says, I've got a plan, God's got a plan for me and I see this problem in our world today and maybe God wants me to be a piece of the answer. But I can't do this alone. I need brothers and sisters around me. I need to gather godly people of influence in my life. And we're gonna to have to pray and seek the God of heaven because I'm not smart enough to fix this mess. But I, I, I wanna hear God speak. And then when you hear God speak and God gives you your next step, you stop long enough to give him praise. And then you go back to the culture and watch this, watch this, so important. Not with a protest sign. And not with apathy hiding in a corner, waiting for the rapture to hurry up and come and get you out of this mess. But boots on the ground, with respect. And say, you know, O king, no man's got the answers for our world's problems, but there's a God in heaven. And in this moment, God raised Daniel up with a gift. Did you catch it? A gift he didn't even know he had. And he used him at the right moment, at the right time, in front of the right person. I want you to write this down. This is your big takeaway for the day. I want you to take this with you. And the big takeaway is simply this. Faithfulness. Being faithful as an ambassador, being a faithful follower of Jesus, being a faithful Christian who trusts that God is sovereign enough that he knows what he's doing and we need to act out in godly character. Being faithful to surround ourselves with the right people. Being faithful positions us for influence. And and if you and I will follow God in his pattern, I just believe God's gonna give you moments of influence you didn't even see coming when you got out of bed that morning. And when it's done just stop and thank him god i I didn't even know i was going to be able to have that opportunity today god thank you for opening that door for me amen because you're making an impact for the kingdom of heaven a little door here and there to be opened look down at verse 47 i want everyone in the house and online to read it out loud with me you got to catch this look at the influence to a pagan king in a pagan land with a pagan belief system and pagan social norms i want you to see what God does through one young man who stood with character and gathered people around him. Look with me, read with me. Verse 47, ready to go. And the king said to Daniel, this is pagan Nebuchadnezzar. The king said to Daniel, your God indeed is God of God's Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. At the end of the day, who's standing there and being the influencer? Daniel, who's being influenced? The old king who did everything in his power to influence Daniel. Daniel now, God's done turned this thing around and he's the one influencing the king for God. How many believe God can still do that today? God took a slave and influenced an empire. If God can do that in Daniel, just think what he can do with me and you if we'll just let him, amen?